you might have heard that the Talica boys were gonna play some heavy shit tonight. All right, welcome back to another edition of Metal Tales from the Road. I'm here with our friend Carl to talk about the Trondheim Norway show. What's up, Carl? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Clint. I'm good. <laughs> How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm, I've kind of like had a busy work day today. I know that it's late at night with you and you got a couple of sleeping kiddos at the house. Thanks for staying yeah. up late to tell us about the gig. Um, yeah, that's no problem. People in the Metal Up Your Podcast family may recognize you on the socials. Your handles are beard and t-shirt. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's right. So we've been retweeting and stuff because you had a pretty fun night. You got to meet some other Metal Up Your Podcast listeners. It was your first time to see the boys. Were you in the snake pit? Yeah, I was in the snake pit. Oh, my God. Okay, so we get to hear about all this. It's pretty exciting. I'm sure that uh, that was yeah, a monumental was evening really for cool. you. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we jump into that, so what's your Metallica story? When did you become a fan of the band? Um, about 97, I think. Uh, I was 14. Um, I think I'm the same age as you. Okay, yeah, I'm 35. Uh, yeah, I'm 36. Okay. Um, You're older and, than me. Uh, uh, You're older. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Yeah. You're going to die sooner than bad. me, probably. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. We'll I, turned, I, I turned 36 in like two months, so. Yeah. Yeah. So how did but, uh, you how did you become a fan in '97 and yet only see the band for the first time all these years later? Was just never an opportunity living in Norway or what? Yeah, well, they come to Norway pretty often, but uh, um, usually to Oslo or Bergen, mm-hmm. um, and both of those are like eight hours away by car, wow. uh, or an hour by plane. So it's like kind of a hassle to get there. Yeah, um, and. It's like I'm always saying that I could could just as well go to a show in like London or something for right, <laughs> you know. Um, but I haven't really done that either. But um, well, when we get into my Metallica story, I've been kind of on and off with them. So so I've been either too young or not interested really. <laughs> so in '97, you were probably 13 or 14. Was it was it yeah. Reload? Was it like the music video for Memory Remains? What was it that got you in in '97? Uh, it was the music video for Memory Remains. Nailed it. Um, yeah, you did. <laughs> uh, it was, um, well, I was watching a lot of MTV at the time. Uh, I was mostly into like the stuff that was on MTV. I started listening to some rock like Nirvana and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know if I'd heard any Metallica before, you know, maybe Under Sandman or Nothing Else Matters or something. But right. um the memory remains was like the first time I really noticed them and uh, thought that I want to check this band out. Um, I wonder so, if the programming on MTV in Norway is the same as the States. Did it, did, was it like its no, own we Scandinavian had, uh, MTV? We had uh, MTV Europe. Okay, that's right. MTV so it was Europe. kind of the same MTV for all of Europe, I think. 
So um, the programming might have been a little more skewed towards what was happening in Europe or if something was just breaking in the States. But Metallica, of course, is worldwide. Yeah. So you were getting some of that sauce over there, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I bought the Memory Main single, I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, or like me and a couple of friends bought uh, Metallica singles for each other for Christmas. Uh, so I got the one with uh, with Fuel as the B-side, the demo for Fuel. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, so I thought that was cool as well. Um, and then I think I uh, I went into my brother's record collection because um, my brother, who was living at the house at the time, he's 11 years older than me. Um, so he was like, he was young in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had a pretty big uh, record collection and CD collection. So I went into his collection and I found um, uh, Ride the Lightning and, and Justice for All. Was he one of these people that got bummed about the Black Album and Load Reload era? Was he kind of an original thrash Metallica fan? Um, no, he wasn't really a, a thrash fan or, or at least not an exclusively metal fan. He has a really wide taste. Mm-hmm. So it's like his favorite artist is actually Prince. Nice. Well, killer yeah. choice right there for sure. Yeah. So he had like all of Prince's albums and he had like, uh, he was into Duran Duran and a lot of the uh, 80s stuff, but also Metallica and, and, and Nirvana and a lot of rock stuff. See, I'm way into that too. I like Prince. Prince is one of my heroes and uh, RIP. Huge, huge Prince fan. Huge Duran Duran fan. It's just funny to think about in certain circles in America. I mean, if you were to go see Metallica play at a club in the Bay Area when Kill 'Em All came out, you could probably be killed for wearing a Duran Duran shirt. <laughs> yeah, probably. Very, very uncool over there to do that. But Europe's different, man. Yeah. Europe's always been a little more, I guess, progressive with taboos when it comes to that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I guess. It might be true. We always heard stories from um, from America about kids getting expelled from school from for wearing band t-shirts and stuff like that. And we always thought that sounded like crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, there's like a, nobody but, cared if, what t-shirts we were wearing. Yeah. But kids, dude, our kids, and I mean, I was kind of one of these kids too. I mean, we were trying yeah. to get away with wearing cannibal corpse t-shirts. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's pretty different than wearing like a rush moving pictures t-shirt, you know? Yeah. Some of the kids were wearing some far out, like when I was in middle school and high school, Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails were hitting super hard and, some of those shirts are pretty extreme, dude. Yeah. I remember uh, one of my teachers, I had a Pearl Jam shirt that had Siamese twins on the front. And he called me up in front of the class and tried to embarrass me with a shirt. He said my shirt was disgusting. And <clears throat> I wasn't expelled from school, but I definitely was kind of shamed for it. Yeah. What was your vibe in school? Were you were you a rock kid? Were you wearing band t-shirts to school? Uh, I was wearing, well, a little bit of band t-shirts, I think. Um what was, some of, went on. what was some uh, of the well, other what was some of the other music you were listening to in '97? Uh, well, that's when I kind of got into metal, but you know the metal at the time. So I was into Marilyn Manson and Korn, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, even Limp Bizkit and Slipknot and stuff like that. Did you ever catch uh, any of those bands live? Uh, no. Well, Marilyn Manson I saw in Oslo uh, once. What year was that? Uh, that was the um, Hollywood tour. Oh boy! That wow, two thousand, I think. So yeah. John Five was playing guitar. Yeah, Twiggy Ramirez on bass. I bet that was awesome. Yeah, yeah that was a good show. Um, Disturbed opened, and I, I really liked them too. Yeah, right wow. <clears throat> what kind so, of venue yeah, was that? Was, was that an arena? 
that was the Oslo Spectrum, so it's like the big uh, arena down there. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so that that was a cool show. Though. Um, well, what was it like for you getting into Reload and then moving backwards? So you got into your brother's collection, <laughs> you heard Lightning. Did, did yeah. you? I'm always curious about this. When you went from Memory Remains single and hearing Fuel for Fire, the Fuel demo, and then mm-hmm. you heard Fight Fire with Fire or Creeping Death, did it sound like two band, different bands to you, or did it all make sense to you? Uh, it kind of sounded like two different bands, um, especially the vocals was yeah. what I what was most different. Um, I always thought when I listened to Ride the Lightning, I always thought in the beginning that, that like the whole band was singing. Ah. I wasn't sure if it was just one person or, right. <laughs> or like the whole band was singing at once because the vocals were like, um, you know, the, there's a lot of screaming and there's a lot of, I don't know. But I remember that, that I don't, I, I thought like the whole band was singing at once and I thought that was pretty unique. Wow. I miss those yeah. early days of just the mystery of really not knowing what was going on or how they made any of that stuff. Yeah. That was some fun stuff, man. Not knowing, you know, who was who. Yeah, I know. I, I remember that too. And like, coming up with your own theories for why stuff was like it was um i remember i i remember getting uh the the live nirvana um album uh from the muddy banks of the wishka mm-hmm. um and then i looked at the liner notes and i saw that they had a different drummer for a few tracks hmm. uh, chad channing who was the drummer before dave Grohl. Um, but I knew that Dave Grohl was in Foo Fighters and he played guitar. So in my head, I made up a story that uh, on some songs they had uh, they had Dave Grohl play guitar and have had another drummer. Yeah. Wow. That was like yeah. So that was kind of yeah. I miss those days too when you could kind of make up stories. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude. Was, well, yeah. that's all you had. Like you, you either yeah. you either would wait for a magazine to come out that featured one of these bands, like uh, sp- specifically with Kurt Cobain and Nirvana and Foo Fighters. I always remember mm-hmm. having a narrative in my head about Pat Smear because he was always around those guys. Yeah. Remember that? Like he was in the Big Love uh, video and then he was in the, he played for Nirvana Unplugged. And yeah. Like, who is this? I knew his name was Pat Smear. That's all I knew about him, you know? Yeah, me too. And, and then the, it was the these... Blue Fighters and I was like, yeah. yeah. Like, who is this guy? <laughs> it's, I guess it's ultimately better now to have access to information whenever you want it. But there was yeah. a, there was a mystery to all that, especially, dude. If you were into Marilyn Manson or like I was way into Tool, bands mm-hmm. that bands that even in the digital age remain mysterious. But yeah. there was something really fun about that. That's that's definitely gone. You can just look up and see anything you want now. It kind of takes some of the excitement out of it. Yeah. Well, there's good t- good things to both of those. But uh, yeah. So so what's what's currently your favorite Metallica record? Like what are you excited about? Are uh are you you would like Hardwired, right? I think we've communicated about this some. Are you a big Hardwired fan? Uh yeah, I like Hardwired a lot. It's uh, kind of what brought me back yeah. uh, to Metallica cuz um uh well to go back in the to the <laughs> Metallica story. Um I I I discovered those two uh, Red Lightning and uh, and Justice for All and um I thought those were like amazing uh, from like the first the classical intro to fight fire with fire and uh, like the thrashiness of it and like the kind of variety of right lightning. It's, it's kind of amazing to me mm-hmm. uh, for that being their second album. Um, I've been thinking about it lately that if I was going to recommend an album, uh, a metallic album for somebody to start with, 
uh, and especially if, if, if I'm not going to choose the Black Album um, or going to choose something that kind of represents the thrash uh, era, I would I would recommend Ride the Lightning yeah, like, I, I as, agree. A, as an entry point because it's so varied. I totally um, agree. I think a, I think yeah. a, a lot of people, I think if we took a consensus, most people would vote for Puppets, but I'm with you. I would also pick Lightning. Yeah, because I think Puppets is more complex, and I think that's harder to get into as an entry point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I know. Yeah, for me, it took a lot of time to get into Puppets. You know um, what's weird? I kind of feel the same. Other than the song master of Puppets and maybe Battery, I also yeah. had a harder time getting into Disposable Heroes and Leper Messiah and Damage Inc. I don't know why, but I actually had that same experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. I almost can still not um like remember the how damage ink starts in my head that's mm-hmm. kind of a song that's kind of lost wah, <laughs> to me wah, even wah, if it's wah, a good wah. song it's a bunch of like <laughs> cliff swells yeah i know and i can't really remember the 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 riff yeah to it but uh but uh yeah so that's why um like when i'm ranking uh the albums i actually put master of puppets um fourth mm. so what are the top five uh justice is number one mm-hmm. um because i think all the songs on justice are just phenomenal and one is my favorite song yep uh, and then ride the lightning is number two mm-hmm. uh, and then actually kill them all is number three i had kill them all as number one for a few years wow because uh, i really love the the punky energy on that one yeah um, and I think you mentioned the offspring on your last episode when you mm-hmm. were talking when you were listening to Kill 'em All, um, and that was kind of the first thing I thought when I heard Kill 'em All for the first time because then I was like uh, 15 probably, um, and I had a friend who was really into the offspring and I don't know if you've heard the offspring's first album. No, I haven't. Uh, they're self-titled. I think it's from '89 or something. Holy shit! Really? Yeah. Um, and they that- smashed their second album. No, it's their third, actually. Wow. Yeah, because they have one that's called Ignition. That um, That's their second album. Yeah, you're right. I'm looking at it now. The Offspring and Ignition, 88 to 93. Yeah. Um, but the first Offspring album has a kind of a similar vibe to Kill Em All, similar sound and stuff. Hmm. It's more like hardcore. Were you? So we're the same age. Were you into that Smash record? Uh, not really. I came a little late to that. The first uh, Offspring album I had was uh, Ixnay on the Ombre. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really liked that one. And I still actually really like it, even though it has a couple of like, silly moments. But, you know, that's what you get with that band. Yeah, that's uh, true. Well, <laughs> Pretty Fly for a Walk, I was on their next one, right? Americana. Yeah, yeah. And Why Don't You Get a Job also. Yeah, the kids aren't all right. Yeah. That was a pretty big yeah. record for them. Yeah, and that record's pretty good too. I listened to them not too long ago, um, and at least if you don't listen to those songs that were the big hits or the silly songs, they have some good deep cuts. I do not understand why, because that Smash album, I literally know every second of it. I know every lyric, every guitar thing, every drum thing. For some yeah. reason, I never investigated anything before or after that. It's such an odd little era for me. Yeah. But yeah, there are some moments of Kill 'Em All that do kind of sound like Smash. So you're saying that even their first two records are even more like Kill 'Em All? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, especially Motor Breath. I thought that was just like a oh, totally. Song. Motor Breath is that. totally just yeah. a punk song, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's way more in the punk camp, I think, sometimes than metal. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. Wow. So you there was a point point for you where Kill 'em All was number one. That's that's unusual. Yeah. That's an unusual opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I was pretty surprised when I heard um the episode where you you read up your listeners' rankings. That was like a pretty early episode, but uh but uh like a lot of people have that as number ten. I was like, What? <laughs> I'm trying to find it. My wife actually made a uh, oh here we go rankings broken down. My wife like broke all this down. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, I'm not going to be able to interpret this. Jesus, she's like much smarter than me and put a lot of TLC yeah. into this, and I'm not going to. Oh wait, album stats. This is in like a graph. <clears throat> um. Well, it's not pulling up. Oh, here it is. Yeah, Kill 'Em All was only one person's number one. Yeah. It was mostly people's. F- between five and ten yeah yeah that's interesting right yeah um i guess it's just it's just a very brutal sounding record too it's kind of hard to listen to in a way i guess although i wonder if now i would put it higher i don't know Do, do these uh delineations for you change over time at all do you have certain eras that you sort of camp out in for a few years uh yeah well i think in well, all music for me kind of varies. I have have like periods where I listen to a certain band and like get really into them. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, a couple of years ago, I had this uh, time where I listened to the band Against Me a lot. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I got like obsessed with them, like all their albums. Um, so I have like I kind of get obsessed with like one band for like a couple of months. So, uh, so it kind of varies. What's my favorite band and stuff like that. I'm kind of like that too, um, but I've always felt like that was an interesting way to engage it because you, you end up getting their whole deal, whatever that band is, uh, yeah. offspring, notwithstanding. Uh, and then you can kind of move on, but then you have a lot of context for that band. I remember Stephen King mentioned that he was like, instead of trying to read all the classics by all these different authors, he was like, you should really just find one author that speaks to you and then just go through their work, you know? Yeah. And Against Me is an interesting band too, because the lead singer is trans and yeah. went through that whole change. And do you still keep up with their music? Is their music still dope? Um, Their last album wasn't that great, but the one before that, uh, the first one after she came out as trans, mm-hmm. uh, Transgender Dysphoria Blues, that's pretty good. Yeah, I know Ethan's a big fan of them. And then we had Jay Weinberg on who drummed for them for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then I heard, um, is it Lori? Is that her name? Uh, Laura Lori? Jane Grace. Yeah, I yeah. heard her on, um, there's a an author I love named Brett Easton Ellis, and he's got a podcast that's kind of more about yeah. movies. Um, but he had her on his podcast, and I thought it was a great interview. Yeah. If I, I was gonna get it. If I was going to get one against me record tomorrow, what record should I get to jump in? Uh, you should get Against Me as the Eternal Cowboy. Okay, I cool. think that's their second record. It's really good. Okay, I'm going to check it out because they've kind of been on my radar and I want to check that out yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah um, I think that's their best one. So when did you, you, you mentioned that you heard some of those early episodes. When did you start listening to the show? How did you come about Metal Up Your Podcast? Um, that was actually just last fall in uh, September, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I had actually... Uh, been sick and been away from work for like a couple of weeks. Um, I was like having headaches and stuff. And my doctors sent me to the hospital to get a, a, a CT. Hmm. Um, so I was sitting in the waiting room for like seven hours or something. Oh. And I was just uh, looking around on, on Spotify, evil Spotify. Mm-hmm. 
um, for something to do. And I, um, I didn't really listen to podcasts, but I was always thinking I would get into them. Um, and I thought that as I was sitting there and had nothing to do, I might as well check out what podcasts were out there. Um, and I, I was looking for music podcasts and I just saw metal up your podcast. Hmm. I could get into a metal podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> I just uh, pulled up the first episode and started listening and realized it was a Metallica podcast. Um, and I had recently started getting into Metallica again. So I thought, hmm, well, I can listen to this. Um, and then I just kept on listening and I thought, um, you know, the chemistry between you guys and um, the whole, everything you were talking about uh, was really good. And um, uh i learned a lot of new things about metallica and uh, well i i love learning new things about music and about bands so i've read a ton of music books and watched a ton of documentaries yeah on the same spent a lot of time on wikipedia reading about bands um so uh and you're a teacher yourself right yeah i'm a teacher yeah so sort of a studious lifestyle is kind of part of your your deal <laughs> yeah yeah, that's true. Uh, I actually almost like dropped out of university for a year or two and just uh, read about music hmm. and almost flunked out before I decided to become a teacher. Hey, well, let's camp out here for a because I'm, I'm also an avid and voracious reader, especially of music bios. What are some of your what are some of your favorite ones that you've read? Uh, well, Please Kill Me, um, the oral and censored history of punk. Mm, OK, that's I'm like familiar with essential that. On, on punk music. Um, that's mostly about the New York punk scene. Um, so Ramones was, and uh, uh, Velvet yeah, well, Underground. It starts, it starts with the Velvet Underground and the Stooges in the late 60s and then goes into New York Dolls and, and uh, Patti Smith and the Ramones and the yeah, uh, television and everything around there. Lou Reed and Iggy Pop are have a you, lot in the Have you read any of the Metallica books? No, I haven't actually. Oh, dude. Well, <clears throat> have you read any Mick Wall stuff like uh, his Guns N' Roses book? Or uh, no, he's written several things, but he wrote a, a great. My favorite one's called Internight, and it's by Mick Wall. He's a, I think, a British journalist. That one was good. I've read a lot of books on Guns N' Roses. I've read pretty much every book I could get my hands on on the Beatles and Kiss. Yeah, um, I love reading. No, that I've stuff. read. I read mostly about um, like underground bands. Mm -hmm. There's a really good book on uh, Nico, who's in the Velvet Underground. Okay. And called Songs They Never Play on the Radio, um, which is written by her keyboard player in the 80s. Um, and it kind of follows when she went out on tour, on tour um, in Eastern Europe in the 80s. Hmm. Uh, as like a super underground um, <laughs> artist. Uh, and there's a lot of cool stories about that. Uh, and she was quite a character as well. So um, that's a really good book. I would recommend that even if you don't really know, uh, know Nico's music. It's interesting to think about underground bands being able to go and tour in places. It makes me think of Metallica and the No Life to Leather tape. That's so, you know, just the tape trading community, which was underground, is what opened mm -hmm. a lot of doors for them. They talk about yeah. like when they were still in LA, they'd go up to the Bay Area to play and there'd be kids singing the worst of their songs, you know. And when they finally made their way out to Johnny Z and made Kill 'em All and went on tour with Raven, people knew their stuff already because of that. It's, yeah. inter it's interesting to think about a band as big as Metallica being underground. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Have you read um, uh, Our Band Could Be Your Life? Who, no, I haven't. 
Uh, it's by Michael Asserad, I think, is a music journalist. Okay. That's about the the like underground uh, punk movement in the '80s, and it traces a line kind of from the Ramones to Nirvana, um, and get kind of gets into how uh, this whole grunge thing wasn't like an explosion and something that suddenly happened, but it's um, it it was something that slowly built over several years. With, right. Uh, under- yeah. yeah, I think people. Yeah. <clears throat> People don't understand that all those people were listening to Dinosaur Jr. and Sonic Youth and and Husker Du and yeah, a lot of those bands kind of created the the punk rock aesthetic of grunge for people like Chris Cornell and Eddie Vedder and Mud mm-hmm. Mud Honey and all that stuff. Yeah, so that's pretty interesting, and that talks about kind of the the connections that the punk bands made with other punk bands in other cities. So there was like a, a a touring route for punk rock bands around all across the U.S. Uh, and like when we went to Minneapolis, you stayed with Husker Du, and when when you went to L.A., you stayed with Black Flag, and you had all these cities around where you could stay with punk bands and then play at the local punk clubs. Hmm. Wow! Uh, and so these bands could get around on like you know, a really small budget, like on just on a bus. And I guess for as aggressive as the music was, the vibe. The vibe that I get, and you sound like way more of an aficionado of this than me, is that it was a, a pretty welcoming community, like where you had a lot of support. Like you're saying, you could crash with these people, and they could even set up a show for you while you're coming through. Yeah, yeah, that's what it seems like. Uh, and there's a similar like like punk rock route in through Europe as well, through Germany and and further south. Um, that I know a lot of bands have taken and. and uh, uh, like Norwegian punk bands too, like travel through uh, through Europe and tour, uh, even if like nobody knew about them up here. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. The whole punk rock thing is is kind of a community in itself, though. Yeah, you know, Ethan, if you if he was doing this metal tales right now, you guys would be in Tangent City because he's, you know, he grew up in Southern California and loved punk rock, and I I kind of view it from a distance, you know, fondly, but. I don't. I can't riff on it as deeply as I can, kind of normal American and and British classic rock, you know. Yeah. So I apologize to all of our punk rock listeners out there, <laughs> and I apologize to you, my friend. So no, that's not problem. So, so after '97, you go back, yeah. and then what happens with you in S and M? What happens with you in Saint Anger era? Uh, well, I was following them pretty closely at the end of the '90s. I remember I got S and M on VHS. Mm-hmm. I also had uh, that. Yeah, and there was like a double VHS with, mm-hmm. the, with the making of. And is that the beginning <laughs> where Jason smashes the violin? Uh, that might I haven't seen it in years. Okay, right. <laughs> I on. haven't seen that VHS. I don't have a, a VCR, but um, yeah, uh, I guess it's on YouTube, the making of. But I haven't really seen it uh, lately. Did you like S and M? Yeah, I loved S and M, and uh, I remember I loved uh, Garage Inc. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember I actually liked Disc Two better. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Well, it's around... it's it's more punk rock, that's for sure. Yeah, um, and because uh, uh, I got into Load and Reload uh, as well as uh, Riot and Justice, mm-hmm. um, but after a while, I got kind of uh, more focused on the '80s stuff. Uh, and I started 
getting kind of down on load and reload mm-hmm. and uh, also like the first disc of, of garage Inc. but i love the second disc um so when saint anger came out uh my first reaction was yes finally they're doing metal again <laughs> right i think it's pretty common yeah so um i actually thought that uh saint anger was a good uh good follow-up to justice wow that was my thought um yeah, I never actually got into the Black album. Uh, I kind of skipped that one. Man, um, you have the strange—you have the strangest map. Your your <laughs> yeah, flowchart is is very unusual. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, uh, I guess that is interesting. I had listened to it, but I never got into it. Uh, the Black album. And what about now? So, is that something that you kind of went back into, or do you still yeah, sort of keep thought- that at a distance? Um, no, I've gotten back into it thanks to to you guys, actually. Um, Metallica I, owes us so much fucking money, dude. It's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. And now um, I got it for Christmas on vinyl. Oh, nice. Wife. You a vinyl nerd? Uh, yeah, kind of. I have a few. I don't have a big collection, but uh, but I get I get a few few pieces when I can. Yeah, right on. And yeah. so Death Magnetic also, was that when you got off the ride? So if you kind of liked St. Anger. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think after St. Anger, that was 2003. And then uh, around, I guess, 2005, 6, 7, um, I kind of got off the metal ride. What were you listening uh, to? Um, that's when I... I kind of realized I was like sick of the music I was actually listening to because uh, I was listening to a lot of like um, mainstream metal. Uh, still listening to Marilyn Manson and Core and Slipknot and System of Down and Rammstein and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think all of those bands kind of released albums that became kind of, you know, less good around that time. Well, about what year was this? Uh, 06, maybe. Yeah. So uh, the yeah. only one of those bands that I really listened to is Manson. You know, I think that was the high end of low. Yeah. I got off the Manson ride after the golden age of grotesque. Yeah. I, I kind of like, bailed on that too. I thought that was pretty yeah. weird. Yeah. Cause I think I kind of liked that album, but didn't really vibe with me like the previous albums. Yeah. I like that yeah. song. This is the new shit. That was good from that album. Yeah. It's kind of yeah, it's kind of all right. <laughs> but it was like less heavy and more electronic and stuff. He was going for some different shit for sure. Yeah, yeah, and he had kicked out like every other member of the band, like Two Year Mirrors and yeah, John Five too. Yeah, so, and he was working with this uh, Swedish uh, industrial guy. Okay, well, so yeah. what were you listening to? What so when you kind of take a break oh, from all I, that hard stuff, what do you what do you pivot to? Um. I just uh, started researching, kind of, um, and tried to listen to bands I had heard of that were um, uh, that I heard were like kind of uh, important in the, to like music nerds and stuff. So I actually started with the Ramones. Okay. Um, and then I started reading a lot about the Ramones and found out that they were part of a bigger scene. Um, so I kind of started out with the whole New York CBGB's punk scene and started listening to that stuff. Um, and more like alternative stuff like the Pixies and Sonic Youth. Um, so I 
kind of got into the whole uh, kind of hipster indie music nerd thing of the mid 2000s which gets that was a, kind of big then. which gets a bad rap but it's a very rich one i think when you start going down those avenues it's really really rich in story and obviously in music getting yeah. into the pixies and getting into sonic youth and if you were getting into new york punk and that's yeah. exciting you know yeah and at the same time i started exploring like the beatles and the stones mm, yeah um, and the whole 60s thing absolutely that's where um, it all came from so I, yeah so i kind of tried to broaden my horizons in all <laughs> in all directions um so i did that for well, I still like indie rock and stuff, but I think I got I I kind of skipped Death Magnetic then. Um, so it came out, and you were probably aware of it, but you didn't even get it. You were like, uh, you just weren't interested. Yeah, and I remember uh, I looked at the vinyl copy, and at least the one I saw had like I think it was four LPs because they only had one song on each side. Hmm. And I was like, the songs are that long. <laughs> I was like. I think it was like a special um, edition or something because now it's I guess it's a double LP. Yeah, um, yeah, the one I have is double. Yeah, but it is uh, a long ass album though. But yeah, see what's is. interesting about you saying that you felt like Saint Anger was a a logical, you know, uh conclusion or a, a sequel to Justice. I always felt like Death Magnetic felt like Justice Part 2. And part of the part of that was because the songs are so long, it's so complex. It's a very progressive album. Yeah. Yeah, I've been listening to that a lot. Uh, also because of you guys and uh ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. <laughs> come on lars <laughs> yeah and uh, i see what you mean um that is that is a, a pretty logical next step from justice um because uh, uh saint anger has a lot of that uh, uh, kind of new metal influence or system of down influence and you know the lack of solos is kind of uh glaring um, i think the band that they were chasing most of all was probably system of a down with like very abrupt <clears throat> dynamic changes yeah you know what i mean like very thrashy erratic drums and guitars to just very quiet whispery vocals which i like system of a down a lot i just i don't uh, metallica doesn't do well when they're chasing something instead of trying to be themselves that's my opinion yeah yeah no that's true yeah, there's a lot of corn in there too, in a way, and and Lars spoke very highly of corn for a while. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and you were a corn so, guy, right? Yeah, I was into corn and system of down and all that stuff. So that's so yeah. Let me uh, tell Saint you. Anger, let me tell you about actually. a super weird thing that happened to me recently. You'll appreciate this having been a corn guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a um, a conservative political pundit here named Mike Huckabee. I don't know how. Um, caught up you are on American politics, but he was a presidential candidate in 2016. Yeah, I've heard the name. Okay, well, he's an asshole. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Uh, he lives in yeah, Tennessee, and now that uh, now that he he didn't become the president, he runs a political right wing talk show that's based in Nashville. And the country artists that I play for, we played his television show. Okay, I'm not super yeah. proud of it, but it was fine. It was a gig. <laughs> We met him in yeah. catering. He was nice. Blah blah blah. There's nothing super dramatic about that. But check this out: the other one of the other musical guests on the show was one of Corn's guitar players because one of those Corn guys got super religious. Are you familiar with any yeah, of this yeah. stuff? Yeah, yeah. Head, is it I think. Brian Brian Welch is that him? Yeah, he was called Head. 
Right. Such a horrible, horrible nickname. Um, (laughs) He was there talking about, I guess he's got a book out or something. And uh, he played the corn song Blind with Mike Mm -hmm. Huckabee playing bass with him. (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, how far (laughs) out is that? That's crazy, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> now I never got into corn, but our other guitar player Derek was a big corn guy when he was, you know, when he was of the age where you would be a big corn guy. And he was like, yeah. "Man, he's like, if I could just tell my thirteen-year-old self that I'd be on a conservative talk show watching the guy from Corn play Blind, which according to him is has very dark subject matter uh, with yeah. Mike Huckabee on bass. He's like, it's just a total Salvador Dali surreal experience, you know." Yeah, that's a mind fuck. It's <laughs> super weird. And now is yeah. he the one with dreads? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, we saw him at the Metallica show, and everyone kept asking Paul Moak if he was his brother. So that was funny <laughs> okay. too, because they were standing kind yeah, of near it's... each other. Yeah. Wow, this is Tangent City. Okay, so back to Metallica. Yeah. So Hardwired comes out, you get excited. Yeah. Well, I actually, um, I think around 2016, around the 30th anniversary of uh, uh, Master of Puppets. Mm-hmm. I think that's when kind of the whole hipster scene started getting hip to Metallica again. Because then you, I started. What do you I mean? Started, Expound on that. That's interesting. Well, because um, I was following a lot of, of of music blogs and like Pitchfork and Stereogum and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember reading a piece, I think that was on Stereogum, uh, about um, where they ranked every Metallica album or something. Um, and then that led me to some blog series that where some guy had written about every song on the first four albums. Okay. Uh, and that's kind of when I got it, got into them again. Cause he was like analyzing every song, uh, musically. So why do you, stuff. what do you think accounts, Analy- what accounts for these hip blogs? I mean, pitchfork of course is a tastemaker blog in Chicago and w- yeah. what accounts for them suddenly being interested in a, a band that five or 10 years prior, they would have made fun of. Like Metallica. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was just the anniversary of Master of Puppets and that being kind of in the limelight again. And um, they put out the box I'm set. That sure. was really exciting too. Yeah. But um, I think around this time, the, the hipster blog started getting into metal. Because when I started reading them, there, were, there was no metal. But slowly but surely, all of them started getting like a metal column and reading, writing about like underground metal. Hmm. Um, and now you have the term hipster metal, right? Oh boy. I don't know if you've heard of that. I have not heard of that yet. Um, you have a bands like, uh, Death Heaven. Uh, I don't know if you've heard them, but they mix kind of like shoegaze indie with black metal. I'm just, here's Um, what I'm imagining, Carl. I'm imagining, uh, a black, a, a death metal singer, but he's wearing suspenders and he has a Florentine mustache and he has a pipe. And he's sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting it right. And he's also a barista on the side. <laughs> yeah. And, might he, be and, he, and he plays horseshoes in his spare time, uh, ironically. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Uh, cool. Yeah. But uh, also, bands like, well, Mastodon is kind of on the edge of that hipster uh, metal scene. Wow. Really? And the bands like Hylisa and Baroness. Hmm. Um, so I was kind of getting into those bands and kind of getting into metal again after not having listened to it for, for many years. Um, but now I was kind of getting into metal from a different standpoint and different kinds of metal. Hmm. Um, Cause I mentioned this, um, 
website that where this guy had analyzed every song on the first four Metallic albums. Uh, and reading that, I I really got excited about them again. Started started uh, you know listening to uh, the albums again, uh, but still not. Uh, the Black Album, Load or Reload. Uh, I listened to Saint Anger. Um, I tried to listen to Death Magnetic, but I I, I couldn't get past the sound issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the the like because you know every time Lars hits the snare, it distorts and the uh, yeah it might be. I think they remastered that for iTunes or something. So so the version that I'm listening to now might be a little different because I can listen to it now. No problem. Yeah. There's been all sorts of weird um, shit where they remastered yeah. it on iTunes and then it was remastered. Some people were ripping the guitar hero versions cause they were mastered differently. I don't know. My, all I know is my version sounds okay. It doesn't really bother me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So what, when did you know that you were going to go try to seek them out and see them live for the first time? Did, was the excitement level just that high where you were like, I'm finally going to go see them on this tour. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I, I, as I said, I started getting into them again and, uh, I got really excited about Hardwired when the single came out. It was like, oh my God, they're back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, well, then I kind of put them into my regular rotation, I guess. Um, and then around the time I discovered you guys, they announced the European tour. Uh, I think I actually discovered you guys a little a little bit before that. Um, and when they announced that they were doing the uh, their first ever show in Trondheim, which is my hometown where I've lived my entire life, I was like, oh shit, I got to go to that. You know, that's interesting that you just mentioned that. I think I've read on the forums. Are you on the forums at all? No, not really. I think someone like you has said something similar, like I've lived in Norway my whole life, but everywhere they play in Norway, it's usually Oslo, which is a hike. But they're finally playing mm-hmm. this kind of, I guess, if to to contextualize some of the listeners, it's kind of out of the way. Is that correct, Trondheim? You said it's like in a big field. Uh, the the arena or stadium or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's um, well, no, it's actually uh, right by the city of Trondheim. Okay. Uh, from the center of town, you can drive like ten minutes, and you're at that um, um, stadium. It's a ski jumping arena, actually. Hmm. Um, um, but uh, Trondheim is uh, right in the middle of Norway. Okay. Uh, Norway is like a pretty long and thin country. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still pretty far from Oslo to uh, Trondheim. Um, and then even further if you're going uh, <laughs> further north. But um, um Trondheim is the third largest city in, in Norway. Okay, right on. Uh, well, I was dead yeah. wrong about the geography there. So how did you get snake pit tickets? Did you win them through the lottery? Yeah, I won them through the lottery. Wow, unbelievable. Uh, First concert ever, Yeah, and you won snake pit. That's, and, uh, that's amazing. Yeah, and when I bought the tickets, I was sure it's, it was going to be sold out. Um, that... Uh, well, the Granosen Arena, that they call it, um, is a pretty it's a pretty new thing that they put on concerts there. It's uh, Metallica is only the third concert ever. Um, what were the first two? The first was Bruce Springsteen two nice. years ago. Awesome. Uh, I went to that. That was pretty cool. But Hell I was yeah. far uh, far back, so it was kind of you know uh, 
Yeah, I like to get up close. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Who was the second one? Yeah. Uh, Robbie Williams. Oh wow, Robbie Williams, Millennium. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's apparently still huge in Europe. Uh, I guess he never took. Um, I guess he never broke in the states. That's that. It's that one song that I just mentioned, Millennium, that kind of yeah. became a thing here, but it didn't take in a way where he could come. You know, he no. probably toured the states that year. But yeah. I don't think I've ever seen him tour over here since then that I know of. Yeah, no, he's he was gigantic in Europe. Wow. Uh, yeah, he was like he has a few songs that still everybody knows. What are the um, what are the what are his biggest songs in Europe? I'm curious. His big head is called Angels. Okay. Uh, and he's got well a song called Feel. And uh, rock DJ. <laughs> Are you a Robbie Williams fan? Uh, no, not really. Uh, it's kind of, you know, mainstream poppy stuff. He used to be in the boy band Take That. Oh, yeah. Uh, wow. We were also still huge in the UK. <laughs> Man. Yeah. So re regarding Bokasa and Ghost, were you aware of them? Were you looking forward to seeing them? Uh, yeah. Uh, I was aware of them. Um, Bokasa, is, that's kind of interesting because uh, the lead singer, Jörn, he has a radio show uh, mm -hmm. in Norway. And I was a big fan of his radio show. Wow. Uh, but I didn't know he was in a band. <laughs> he never mentions it on his show? Uh, no, because um, he works in like the public uh, radio, so it's owned by the government. Um, okay. And I think they have kind of a, a, a rule because there are... There are a few of the of the radio hosts that have bands and stuff, um, but they're not allowed to play their own music on the air, or even mention it, or talk about it, or promote a tour yeah. or anything. Well, I don't think no, I don't think they're allowed to promote it. They're allowed to talk about it. Um, like there was this other radio show um, that I listened to a lot, where one of the hosts was a drummer, mm -hmm. and he was like a session drummer, so he had played with like <laughs> a lot of Norwegian artists. And they couldn't play any of the songs that he <laughs> had played on. So that was kind of weird. Wow. Um, but okay. uh, but he talked about his career and the artists he, he played with and stuff. So it's not that strict. But um, it's something about that you're not allowed to promote yourself or, or um, play your own music and stuff like that. But speaking, of, speaking of promoting yourself, I do just want to let all of our listeners know that for this whole conversation, I'm looking at your Skype handle, which is a picture of a coffee mug that has your face on it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which you mentioned that you have for work so people know it's your coffee mug. <clears throat> Super legit. It's still funny, though. Yeah. So how was no, Bukasa musically? The did, guy work too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Did you get into the snake pit early enough to see Bukasa? Uh, yeah. Um, I did. Um, they were actually they were supposed to start at um, 5.45, and we got there around 5.30, and they had already started playing. Hmm, interesting. Um, yeah, but what was very interesting was that I found out later <laughs> that Lars was in the snake pit watching Bukasa. Whoa. Uh, I saw pictures and video that he was like standing on the front row uh, watching them. But uh, apparently it sounds like you didn't see him yourself. No, I didn't. It's that, like, that's I would a... never... I would never have thought to look for Lars in the snake pit. That's a that's a message though to to people listening out there who may have some future snake pit passes. Yeah, I mean Lars is insane. I've never heard that, but they're often celebrities in the snake pit because they're yeah. 
there are famous people who are guests of the band, like Dave Grohl or famous athletes even that have been pictured in the snake pit. So it, it's yeah. worthwhile to look around if you get in there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he was there. I would never thought to look for him, but we actually saw James peek his head up uh, at the corner of the stage. Nice. To watch Picasso. Uh, yeah. That's so cool that they that kinda... invite them on tour and that they make some time to go check them out. That's awesome. Yeah, but Trondheim is Bokasa's hometown, too. Ah, there we go. So homecoming yeah. show for them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Of course, the radio show. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, uh, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, we... Um, yeah, I guess we're getting into the show now, finally. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, hey, dude, we can talk cause... about whatever you want, dude. I'm cool to talk about whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Our listeners are like, "Oh God, please don't just talk about Metallica." <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, let's talk about. Yeah, let's talk about uh, Metallica. But uh, let's rewind a bit to to when we got um, into check in, because mm-hmm. uh, that was kind of fun. Because I had kind of been communicating with uh, Edgar Edgar Brades on uh, on Twitter, mm-hmm. friend of the uh, show. Yeah, because I wanted to know if there was any other like uh, MUIP family. Um, that was that were going to the show because I remember he mentioned that he was gonna follow this leg, right? Um, from uh, Berlin to uh, wherever the last stop is. Um, Let's see where and, the last uh, stop is. Berlin to Moscow, maybe Moscow. Yeah, Moscow. And yeah. in fact, Edgar's doing the Moscow Metal Tales. Uh, that's oh, yeah. that's on July twenty first. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so I was kind of planning to look for him, and he said he was going to wear his Medal of the Broadcast shirt. Um, so we got to check in to because uh, we had um, the shortest straw uh, package. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we went to check in to get like our gift bags and stuff. And I just looked to the side, and I'm like, "There's this tall uh, Latin guy standing next to me." And I'm like, "Edgar?" <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah." <laughs> Nice. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty cool. Like in a crowd of 40,000 people, I was just standing right next to him. Wow, man. That is so, yeah. I think he had a really similar experience meeting Anya as well. Just, it just happened. They didn't even really plan to meet anywhere. They just happened to be standing near one another. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, then we went to get our snake pit passes and we had to go a little back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we got into the snake pit and uh, and didn't see Lars. So did you were you able to hang with Edgar? Or did you have a buddy that you took with you, or what did you do with your other snake uh, pit? I went with my wife. Oh, cool, nice. Yeah, um, I yeah I wanted to take her because um, when we got married, uh, I actually sang "Nothing Else Matters" in the church and played guitar. Wow, bold move, yeah. my friend. Bold move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I like to perform, but um, <clears throat> so that was pretty cool. We got married in uh, in um, like we have a big cathedral here in town. I, I don't know if you've seen the um, um, posters for the for the show. Uh, I think I have, but they escaped me. Do they feature that cathedral? Yeah, one of them did. Um, so that's the cathedral we got married in. Wow, man, uh, that's so, so cool. Yeah, so my wife usually brags that I'm probably the only person in history that's played Metallica in that cathedral. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Is your wife a Metallica fan? 
uh yeah she likes metallica she she she's not a like super fan like i am um but she likes them pretty good and she said that uh, out of all the songs they played she knew most of them wow cool uh, so she had a really good time too um so we were hanging out with edgar and um my wife is latina too so they were like kind of speaking spanish together oh cool right on uh, yeah my wife also is uh puerto rican she's also latin yeah that's cool that's fun how did you uh, how did you come across her in uh in Norway? Um well we actually went to to uh, junior high together. Okay, cool. Uh, cuz she moved here when she was uh, 4. She's from El Salvador. It's um, uh it, my wife and I fantasize often about moving to a Scandinavian country. Yeah. You should. <laughs> uh we're we're thinking yeah. about it for real. Oh, it's it's great over here. Um so you're hanging out with Edgar, and he, you know, he he he's well connected at the those levels, and I'm sure he knew several of. Did he know other people in the Snake Pit? Yeah, there were some uh, Mexican fans there mm-hmm. uh, that had like the Mexitalica flag, right? Uh, a guy with like a luchador mask and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so nice. Edgar was like walking around just talking to people. Yep. Um, and we also stood. Uh, we stood like on the side next to the dip. Yep. Uh, and there was a guy standing right next to it that my wife started talking to. And um, she like introduced me to him. And she was like, yeah, this guy's from England. His name is Tom. And uh, I kind of recognized his voice. And I kind of asked him, have you been on Metal Up Your Podcast? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I've done the Metal Tales. Uh, and I was Tom Dean. Oh, yeah, he's that's right. The um, Slain Castle. And he's done a couple of other Metal Tales, too. Yeah, crazy, man. So he was in the yeah. Snake Pit also? yeah. So we were talking to him as well. I love that. Um, and uh, there was another guy, Aaron from Minnesota, who had been on every show on the European tour since Lisbon. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, but he didn't know about the podcast. He said he didn't. He didn't follow podcast. Podcasts. He didn't really seem interested in that. Yeah, but, uh, there's a lot of Metallica fans that don't. They don't know about it. They don't know about us, yeah. or they're just not interested, which I totally get. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we were kind of surrounded by, by, uh, these really hardcore, uh, black ticket holders. Um, so that was, that was a fun experience to hang out with those guys. Yeah, I bet, man. Well, shout out yeah. to, uh, Edgar, who's a good friend of the show and Tom, of course, and mm-hmm. even old butthole Aaron who doesn't listen. <laughs> yeah. He won't hear me now say, screw you, yeah. Aaron. Come on, man. <laughs> Crap. Yeah. Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. No, he was a nice guy, though. So yeah. w- moving into the gig, uh, yeah. what was the snake pit like for Bukasa and Ghost? Did it start to fill up for Ghost, uh, I imagine? No, it was kind of empty. But the weird thing is it was it was never packed, not even for Metallica. There was a lot of, of free space uh, in the in the snake pit. Wow, that's wild. Uh, and that's kind of weird because the show was like completely sold out. It sold out in a day. Um, so from what I can tell, it was the only show that was like sold out the day after they, they put the tickets out. Yeah. I wonder if people just didn't claim their snake pit passes or if they didn't know, yeah, know it, how it, to get was, them or what. Yeah. No, I'm uh, in a Facebook group for the Norwegian chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a couple of people there that said that, uh, they were in the, in the golden circle and they had seen several people with snake pit passes in the golden circle. What the hell? Maybe they just wanted to be with their friends? 
Yeah, I don't know. One guy had asked uh, somebody about it, and he was like, he didn't even know what the snake bit was, and he didn't, <laughs> he didn't understand what he was talking about. Damn, what so a I waste. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but it looked, it seemed like they were kind of passing out snake bit passes to random people because there was this uh, 11 year old girl and her mom in the snake bit. Yeah. And they said that somebody had just handed them two passes when they walked in. Yeah, that happens for sure. Yeah. So, um, but I don't know if, if maybe a lot of people didn't claim them or what the vibe was like, but, uh, yeah. Well, so what was ghost like? Are you a ghost fan? Uh, yeah, I like ghosts. Um, I when I first heard, I think I heard about them pretty early, uh, and some reviewer uh, compared them to Metallica. Okay. Uh, and then I listened to them, and they sounded nothing like Metallica. So then I was like, Nah, screw this. Um, but then a couple of years after that, I think when Meliora came out, I checked them out again because uh, I had a few friends who were into them, and then, uh, then I liked them. I, I I became a fan. How was the show? Um, How was their game? It was. It was uh, really good, um, but it was kind of weird because there wasn't a lot of people in the snake bed, so the energy was kind of weird in the snake bed. Yeah. Um, so that kind of took away a little bit from the show. Um, and also, as uh, a lot of people have mentioned, their their show doesn't really fit very well in the daylight. Right, right, because uh, there's stage props and with the churchy stuff and the stained glass, it's all a big part of it, right? Yeah, but uh, but they're a good live band though, and uh, and uh, Tobias is uh, is a good uh, he's a good performer. Absolutely, uh, you know he made the audience laugh and uh, was joking about uh, you know tickling our taints and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess that that'll elicit a chuckle from the the children in all of us. That phrase. Yeah, and he was like, "Do you know what a taint is?" It's the area between your front and your back. Wow. Yeah. I've got a big laugh from everyone. <laughs> Anatomy lessons with Tobias Forge. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's this... pretty funny. I actually thought he would be speaking Swedish for the show, but I guess he, he stays in character. Yeah, absolutely. That's Swedish. a big part yeah. of it. Yeah. So was the sun still kind of up for when Metallica came out or when XC Gold started? Uh, yeah, the thing is, we're we're uh, we're pretty far north here, so the sun never went down wow. for the whole show. Because in July, the sun stays up until about midnight, hmm. uh, and then it goes down for like a couple hours, and then it comes back up around like four in the morning again. Crazy. Yeah. So you've basically grown up like that. Yeah. <laughs> that is really <laughs> odd. Yeah. But in the winter, it's it's the complete opposite. Then we only get sun for like three hours a day. Jesus Christ. Yeah. We're going to have to rethink this Norway uh, relocation. Yeah. I don't know if I well, can handle that. No. Well, further south, it's not that, um, it's not that bad, I guess. Uh, further north in the, in the winter, they don't have daylight at all for like two months. Yeah. That's, you have, something's wrong with you to live up there. Or you just <laughs> yeah. don't know any better. You're a vampire, or you're into hipster metal. That's probably where all the hipster metal heads live and go. Yeah, possibly. They can they can start fires with you know by banging rocks together for irony, ironically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, but then again, in the summer, the sun never goes down. So. Yeah, I need I need the uh, I need a balance. <laughs> I don't think I could rock either of those things, dude. 
Yeah. My wife and I took a, a trip to Alaska once, <clears throat> and it was similar. The sun really never yeah. set, and uh, five or six days of that was kind of disorienting for me. Yeah. But you spent your whole life there. You don't. You don't know. You don't know the difference. You're cool. No, You're I used to it. That's yeah. that's your reality, bro. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the sun's never going down. So you're you're not even anticipating a time where because you know sometimes the, I mean the vibe of the show kind of changes once the sun sets, but all those Norwegians yeah. up there aren't even anticipating that. So what's your vibe like when uh, Ecstasy of Gold starts? It's your first Metallica show. You're in the goddamn yeah. snake pit. You've already yeah. made some Metallica friends, and you're with your wife. That's awesome, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, the vibe was uh, amazing. Um, first with the, the ACDC song, which we all sang along to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Ecstasy of Gold started, and we started singing along to the, the chorus part in that, too. Right. Uh, and I was, like, uh, just staring at the stage, waiting for them to magically appear. Because I've... Uh, You've been talking about that on the show too. That they kind of appear as if out of nowhere. Yeah. So that you you saw <laughs> it, was conf- it was confirmed, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, Lars comes in from the side, and then the rest of them just uh, appears. So what were your th- what was going through your head during Hardwired? Uh, no, that was like, oh my god, I'm seeing them for the first time. This is, this is amazing, um, and the uh, the sound was really good and. Everything was just great. Um, Were you prepared in terms of uh, your liquid intakes for bathroom breaks? Were you were you feeling okay? Yeah. Like you wanted to stay put the whole night? Yeah, I managed to stay put the whole night. I have a pretty good uh, good strategy for concerts that I don't. I only drink water and I don't don't drink a lot. Just what I need. Yeah. Because uh, I'm I don't want to go to the bathroom in the middle of uh, of the show. There's nothing worse than that, dude. Especially if you're in a yeah. good spot. Yeah. I've considered yeah, just peeing so... my pants before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I've been to shows before where, where uh, people are, you know, peeing into plastic cups yep. and stuff. That's kind of disgusting, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> peeing in general is disgusting. Yeah. And proof that there is no God, by the way. He, <laughs> if perfect God wouldn't make people who had to pee all the time. It's horrible. <laughs> Peeing's all, peeing and pooping oh. are horrible, right? Yeah. Well, it's unnecessary, you know. <laughs> I guess. Well, so, yeah. mostly the um, set is staying the same. You got some rotating treats here, I'm seeing. But yeah. just walk us through a little bit of what was notable for you and what was interesting. If if Kirk missed a solo, or if James told a weird joke, or we got the crab walking, and we got Lars interacting with the fans, just sort of give us yeah. a sense of the gig. Yeah. Uh, well, after Hardwired, we went into the Memory Remains. Mm-hmm. Um, like they've done on the whole tour. Uh, then we got Ride the Lightning. That wasn't a big surprise. Uh, but but a treat for, for you then, nevertheless, though, because yeah, even though they've been playing that a lot on this tour, it was pretty rare before this tour. Yeah, yeah, I think it was an awesome song to get. Um, I guess we could have gotten Disposable Heroes there, yeah. but I, I think I'd prefer Ride the Lightning. I, you know what? I would, too. And I love Disposable uh, Heroes. Yeah, and Kirk nailed the solo. Love it. Love hearing that. Uh, it was uh, amazing. I actually, um, yeah, I, I actually never really noticed how long, but still how good that solo is before the this show. It's pretty long. Yeah, yeah you're right. It just goes on forever. Because <laughs> yeah. there are like two points in the solo where you think it's over and then there's a whole new part coming. Yeah, totally. Um, but it's pretty, pretty amazing. That might be one of his best solos yep, ever. I, I totally agree with you. 
Yeah. Um, and then for number four, uh, I was really hoping for Harvest Rosaro. Oh, nice. And that's the one we got. Yeah, that's so, kind of a uh, rare one too. Yeah, they've been doing God that failed right there. Yeah, no, I got I got so excited that I, I went woohoo and I jumped up when I heard <laughs> the, the other started. nine people in the snake pit were like, "What's this guy's deal?" <laughs> yeah, um, but that was that was pretty awesome. Um, there were some sound issues, uh, especially when they started walking around the the catwalk, because hmm. um, I guess. Uh, they have monitors out there, so if Rob was in front of us, then we would hear the bass a lot louder. And uh, like if James was there during the solo, then we we almost didn't hear Kirk um, hmm. and stuff like that. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and also uh, we could hear the drums, the actual drum kit, because we're pretty close. And then also we hear, heard the drums of the PA, um, so that echo. made kind of an echo. Yeah. Um, and I think that, uh, well, I'm going to have to confirm this on the recording, but it sounded like, like Kirk was like out of time at the, on the solo for Harvester of Sorrow. I think hmm. that was for Harvester of Sorrow. Um, cause he, he was like, uh, just a couple, like half a bar off or something. So it sounded kind of weird cause he was out on the edge of the, of the catwalk. Hmm. Um, yeah, you'll have to confirm so that because uh, yeah. you you get a live you get the live Metallica recording right with every ticket, right? Yeah, you do. I also have the that subscription where you where I can stream every show. Yeah, yeah. What is that called? Uh, Nugs.net. Nugs. Yeah, horrible title. Yeah, nugs.net. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were running running a special where I think you could get it for a year for like twenty bucks or something. Yeah, I know. Um... I, well, I had signed for sign up for it before that, and then uh, I was a little late. I, I was going to re-register to get the the that cheap price, but I, I was like a day too late, and they didn't have it anymore. Mm. But well, well. Um, well, yeah, you'll have so, to let us know if uh, if if they fix that or if something was off or what. But that's interesting. Yeah, because it could have just been the sound issues and right. the, the echo for me too. So I'm not sure. But I think he kind of messed up something in the solo there. Yeah. Okay. Um, but he kind of saved himself at the end. Um, and when he went back to like the main stage, he and James had kind of a look. So I think James uh, noticed something too. James challenged him to a duel <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the stadium. Yeah. Oh, they were kind of laughing at each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, cool. Well, moving on into the Unforgiven. Anything cool about the Unforgiven? Uh, well, we got the Greeny guitar. Fun. So fun to see uh, that guitar in person. Yeah, I know. It was like earlier before they started. They had a like the line check, um, and Kirk's uh, guitar tech came out with Greeny, and he like was walking around the catwalk, and uh, and uh, when he walked by where we were standing, I was like, oh my god, look, it's Greeny. <laughs> I was like, um, that was fun. Yeah, you're you're at a certain nerd level when you're identifying yeah. the guitars like that and getting excited to see his tech yeah. holding. I'm, I mean, I share that with you for sure. We got yeah. to do a, a little tour of the Nashville gig, and like I got to look at his boat full of all his guitars. I'm like, yeah, that's Greeny right there. This is insane. Yeah. And you also even even more important than the guitar, almost in a way, you get to see Kirk Hammett play probably, well, definitely in the top five greatest metallica guitar solos of all time 
Yeah, and he nailed the solo. Yeah, it's a treat to see that one that for sure. Awesome. Yeah. One of the songs I'm most jealous about of this European tour is the next one, Here Comes Revenge. We never got to see that in the States. Yeah, I know that's not an that's not a song that that uh like um uh yeah that comes at you on the album. Uh that stands out with uh, where I was looking for on the album, but live it's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it like made that. it. Yeah, I think they probably just tried it out, and then it worked so well, like you're saying. It worked so well live. They're like, fuck it, let's just keep playing it. This feels good. Yeah. How was the crowd response to that song? Did they seem to know what it was? Or at least in the snake um, pit? Yeah, can you hold on a second? I think there's a... I have to go check on the baby. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sorry, dude. <laughs> just hold on. All right. Carl is checking on a baby. Play a song for Carl checking on this baby. Carl is checking on his baby. Carl checking on his baby. Will you check in on his baby? She didn't wake up because we were talking about Metallica. Hope she didn't wake up because we were talking too loud. Who's talking loud? Hope she didn't wake up. We were talking Italian. Hope she didn't wake up because Carl was talking too loud. Too loud. Hey, everything good with the kiddo? Yeah, it was good. She was waking up, but I think it's good now. Sorry, dude. Uh, uh, I just had to check. She yeah. usually wakes up like, yeah, wakes up for a little bit at this time. It's okay. You, said, you just had to go breastfeed your child a little bit. That's fine. <laughs> All good dads do it. I did it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, moving into Moth and uh, the Flame. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah. Well, what I wanted to say about Here Comes Revenge is that uh, James was kind of standing um right in front of us when uh when he did it mm -hmm. uh, and he was like turning around and bending over or <laughs> that sounded weird but uh, <laughs> kneeling down in front of us playing his guitar <laughs> um and it might be at that point that i got a fist bump from him oh cool you touched the mighty head yes touched his mighty riff knuckle very cool dude uh, yeah, uh, and uh, my wife uh, actually got a got a fist bump as well. Very cool. I've never, yeah. I've never been lucky enough to get a fist bump. No, that's too bad. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm living was, vicariously was, through you now. Yeah, so that was awesome. I think my wife got got a fist bump first, and she just turned around and she was like, "Ah, fist bump!" Yeah, sucker. Yeah. Uh, James yeah, had, James Hetfield could so. could seriously bear hug my wife and she would be she wouldn't care she wouldn't care at all she'd be like who's <laughs> yeah. this weird guy <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. all right well, so moth into flame and sad anything cool about these songs uh moth into flame he was also mostly right in front of us mm -hmm. uh, he was playing the carl guitar yeah so cool to see that guitar too 
Yeah, and I got to see it like up close, really up close. Absolutely. Um, and this 11-year-old girl was standing right next to us that I mentioned before. Um, and uh, James kind of knelt down and he gave gave her his pick. Um, and that was cool. Uh, she was like so excited when she got the pick. Yeah, it's <clears> nice <throat> to make a moment for kids. I mean, obviously to a much yeah. lesser extent, whenever I play shows, I always try to make sure that kids get picks and drumsticks and set lists first for sure yeah yeah definitely and and uh he was so smooth too because he was like you know moth into flame is not a slow song and he just kept on playing without a pick and then just turned around and grabbed the pick from his uh mic stand and just kept on playing the whole time well he's had a few years of experience i think yeah he's had some practice but it's cool to see like how how professional um they are absolutely it's one of my favorite things about the sort of you know the <clears throat> them in their older age it, you, the things you you trade for that sort of the energy or whatever the the crowds moshing or whatever one of the cool things about seeing them now is seeing how pro they are how the 35 years of doing this has honed them into a machine you know yeah all right cool continue the journey carl take us through my friend yeah and that was sad but true and there he makes kind of his speech about we don't care uh who you are and who you vote for and all that stuff Mm -hmm. we Uh, don't even care if you're mike huckabee as long as you (laughs) slap at the base (laughs) yeah uh yeah and um uh he just uh he said something about you know with metallica everyone belongs and he said something about it even helps if you're a bit of a fuck up hmm uh, which I I don't think I've heard him say exactly that before. But yeah, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, no, but that was cool and sad but true. Is you know almost always a barn burner. Absolutely agreed. So, yeah. Uh, so that was awesome. And then uh, we got No Leaf Clover, which is uh, a treat. That's a treat of this tour. Yeah, in my it's opinion. a treat. We when the intro started, I heard some guys behind me when they were like, "Oh my God, No Leaf Clover!" Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, um, and uh, I was kind of hoping for Faded Black or Sanitarium uh, in this spot, but right. uh, you know, No Leaf Clover is great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and we got the Greenie back on uh, Kirk, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he cut, I think he cut his finger during the song. Oh, I saw the picture yeah. of that, yeah. yeah. By the end of the song, his, uh, the guitar was all bloody. Yeah, he made some sort of Twitter comment about or Instagram comment about a blood sacrifice for Greenie, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah, and I was like, oh no, Greenie. Um, but yeah, but I guess that's pretty normal to to cut yourself when you're playing. Mm, no, it's not. It's not that normal. I don't know why Kirk does it so often. Like he yeah. wears all this tape and stuff on his hands, and because uh, he he it's off, it happens often for him. But uh, yeah. I've been playing guitar my whole life, and that's probably happened to me maybe two times. So, yeah, it seems a bit dramatic to me. But of course, I don't know what's going on up there. He must be—he must be yeah. just literally shredding. Yeah. You, so you'll have to explain to me, and you'll have, also have to pronounce what this doodle was—the Kirk and Rob doodle. Yes. How do you pronounce this? Uh, there we go. You make it sound so yeah. easy. <laughs> yeah. It's like seven hundred uh, letters in that. Yeah. So I'm guessing no, this is a famous Norwegian song. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, was a big hit in the early eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of, a 
you know, it's kind of a staple among, you know, everyone, really, because um, the, the title means In Love With The Teacher. Okay. Uh, so it's a song. It's that, about you, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's about a, a 15-year-old kid who's in love with the girl sitting in front of him uh, at school, but she's in love with the teacher. Oh, so that's tragic. pretty much what the song is about. So he's like complaining that she's in love with the teacher and not with him. Wow. Okay. Um, so uh, it's a very famous uh, song. It's kind of a, uh, I guess, one of Norway's first hard rock bands uh, that did it. And they had like a famous music video with like this uh, blonde, uh, poofy haired uh, kid standing on, standing on top of a desk and singing about uh, this girl who's in love with the teacher. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty cool song, actually. <laughs> I haven't seen the video from it yet. Did they pull it off well? Uh, yeah, they pulled it off uh, really well, and everyone was like super into it and singing. Who sang it, yeah. Rob? Did, I'm guessing Rob sang yeah, it. Yeah, Rob sang it. Yeah, I'm re I'm really impressed by Rob uh, when he's singing all those different languages. Yeah, uh, no shit. He had, he, he puts yeah. a lot of TLC into that. Yeah, because uh, you know his pronunciation it was pretty good. Um, and like in Sweden, they did a Swedish song too, and that was pretty good too. And you know. I'm really impressed with uh, with Rob on this tour. I've really been liking too that after they do the local song that they've been doing Man Unkind because it's just a it's his only co-write on Hardwired. It's a nice moment that kind of makes me think of him creatively in Metallica. Yeah. And then of course they've been doing Orion instead of Anesthesia, which I I would have preferred to have seen Orion. Yeah, I actually um would have preferred Anesthesia. Mm -hmm. Uh just because that's that is like a bass solo, and I really love that distorted bass sound that's on that song. Yeah, you'd love it, too, and you're a Kill 'Em All guy, and he nails it. Yeah, yeah. So I would love to see that, but uh, but uh, well, he he does do like kind of a distorted bass thing in between Man and Kind and, and before he starts going to Orion. Right. Um, and then it's Orion with the the cliff on the big screen. So cool. Um, but the problem uh, at this show when it was daylight the whole time is that uh, we couldn't really see the screens at all. <clears throat> well, um, you guys are located in a super fucked up place on the planet. <laughs> yeah, because the screens are kind of, they're see-through. Yeah. So we mostly saw like what was behind the screens. Right. You're like, this is so, kind uh, of a ripoff. <laughs> we see that every day. Crap. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I didn't care about that so much when I was in the snake pit. But, nah, uh, nah. A lot of people have, have commented on that right. before and that uh, maybe they should have had kind of some blinds behind the screens or something. But mm. I, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. All right, moving into the St. Anger slot. Now, it sounds like you yeah. probably weren't super disappointed to hear St. Anger. That might have been an exciting no, that point was for really you. Good. Yeah. Uh, I was hoping for Frantic, but St. Anger is uh, just as good, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they did a really good job. And uh, every time they were all on the main stage, the sound was really good. So it was fun to hear. Um, but you're saying only when they were moving around, when they were kind of floating around and flying around the different monitor mixes, when it got a little funky. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's kind of... You know, for being in the snake pit and being so close to the guys, that's kind of 
okay to give up the perfect sound experience well you have to you just have to yeah. i did the same thing on the rail on the arena shows i mean you're you're basically yeah. standing under the mains so you can't hear it the way you can hear it if you're in the lower yeah. bowl or something so that's just part of yeah. it yeah i know i always prefer to be like right on the rail at every show i go to because you know if i want good sound i can be at home and, and watch a live dvd or something yeah, you know? totally and yeah, we're and, supposed to get that uh, hi-fi experience. And unless you're on the rail, how are you going to see, like I did, Kirk Hammett urinate and get a massage <laughs> in the middle of the show? Yeah, exactly. So moving yeah, that's, into... That's worth losing some fidelity of course, for that. Of course. So moving yeah. into one of your favorite songs, One. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this. I'm just trying yeah. to think about this through your eyes, dude. This is the first time you've ever seen any of these songs. So these next five songs... Yeah have got to have been so crazy for you because this is the yeah. bit the big crazy stretch of one puppets bells creep and seek yeah that's just all bucket list songs that you got to see them play live yeah no that was uh was uh amazing and I'm, i've been following the tour so i knew exactly what was uh coming yeah um during saint anger i think my wife got a, started getting a little tired and she asked me how how, how much time there was left mm-hmm and I was like, uh, well, now they're going to do one and then Master of Puppets and then For Whom the Bell Tolls and Creeping Death and Seek and Destroy. And then they're coming back for the encore. So it's like maybe a half an hour. Yeah. She's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. She's like, ooh, this guy's nerdy. Yeah. But you um, were probably able to also be like, but they're about to play five songs in a row that you'll definitely know. Yeah. And then, of uh, course, for Bells, they come out, they bring the drums out. So when they, yeah. when they, when Lars brings that drum out, they come out, was the sound pretty weird for that? uh yeah then you definitely got kind of the echoey drum sound yeah um but then they're so close that it doesn't really matter so were you uh, able to like move up close to the rail where maybe their back was to you but you could get closer to them or did you just kind of stay by the dip and i just stayed by the dip yeah uh because uh they were kind of walking around so you got we got a lot of uh, kind of close-up time with uh, with them um just at the dip because there's some mic right there you know so um james was singing in that mic a lot too mm-hmm. um what was it like hearing a whole stadium sing the the bridge to creeping death for you first time that was amazing yeah um i couldn't really hear because i did the whole motherfucker die uh bit. yeah you did the jason part. i'm not sure if everybody did that though but uh but uh yeah, I, I did. <laughs> nice. Because that's like part of the song. Now. Your wife turns around. She's like, Carl. <laughs> yeah. You watch your language, mister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we were standing right next to a security guard. He was like standing right in front of us the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was kind of looking around when, when everybody started chanting die. Yeah. What have I done? I've, yeah. I've, I've been hired to work at a death cult. <laughs> They're going to for sure sacrifice me on top of a totem pole or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did they bring anybody up for Seek? Sometimes they bring up a kid to let him play drums or guitar. Did anything like that happen? Yeah, no, they didn't. Um, they didn't. No, they didn't do that. Um, but uh, yeah, they did a really good good Seek and Destroy. Uh, and um, uh, near the end, where it, Right before they stop, before Lars uh, or James like introduces Lars, mm-hmm. uh, like at the end of the riff, James was standing right in front of us. And when the riff was over, he had like he, he faked like a retired look on his face, and he was like wiping his forehead, and he was like, "Oh, 
that was, that was kind of funny. Nice. Um, yeah. And uh, also during uh, Firm the Beltles, my wife was uh, had her phone up when Rob was in front of us. And he was like pointing into her camera and kind of uh, singing like directly to to her phone. And that was awesome. Cool. She got she got like a really fun video of that. Yeah, that's cool. Right on. Nice. Yeah. For the encore, yeah. were you expecting "Spit Out the Bone" or were you maybe hoping for "Lords of Summer"? What was your vibe on that? I was hoping for "Spit Out the Bone." Uh, and you got it, bub. Yeah, I got it. And of course, I this being my first show i would have you know the dream would have been been one of the classic thrashers but the spit out the bone was really good um well it's a treat because they're probably never going to do that again regularly on a yeah. tour yeah i agree but i thought it was it was much better seeing it live in person than any other versions i've heard you know both on the album and live oh wow you thought it was better than the record huh yeah, I thought so. Like just being there, and and uh, again they were on the stage, so the sound was really good. Ah, uh, yeah, right on. Um, I thought uh, Rob was singing pretty, really good on it because you know they alternate the 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 lines, yeah, the verses. Um, so that was amazing. Let me ask you this: If nothing else matters, was that an emotional moment for you and your wife? Did it take you back to the old wedding day? Did you guys slow dance? Did a single tear slide down the eyeball? What was the vibe uh, like that? Yeah, that was really great. Then we we like kind of embraced each other and we're just singing along. Uh, sweet, dude. I love that. Yeah. So we were just yeah, we were just holding each other and singing the whole song. Um and that was fun and and uh, uh, that guy Aaron uh, next to me, he was filming a lot of songs and I found uh, he put a lot of them on, on YouTube and I was watching the Nothing Else Matters um earlier today we don't speak uh, of aaron can... we don't speak of aaron aaron's a okay. jerk aaron doesn't listen to the show <laughs> yeah. we can't promote his youtube page right now no okay no i'm just kidding so he had a video uh, but, he, uh, he actually caught that on yeah, video of you then, guys dancing that's awesome no he, he you could, couldn't actually see us in the video but i could hear us singing oh uh, nice and then just before the solo we both we both did the yeah and, mm -hmm. and then we started laughing <laughs> that's awesome dude that was awesome. Yeah. To play that for your uh, two-year-old when she wakes up again in 20 minutes. Yeah. Put her back to sleep. Yeah. Mommy and daddy going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My two-year-old actually loves Metallica. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because uh, at the breakfast table, I we I often listen to like the, the last live show that mm -hmm. they've done. Mm -hmm. And every time uh, the memory remains comes on, she starts like slowly headbanging. Well, you've made another uh, Norwegian metalhead up there. Yeah, I think I have. And then uh, Sandman, and, and what was that like for you to finally see Sandman? You're a diehard fan, obviously. You're not a, yeah. You're probably not like the tire kickers or the casuals, but still, for Sandman, your first time, it's still an awesome moment, right? Yeah, and the thing is, as I mentioned, I never really got into the Black Album uh, for years. So I haven't really heard that song. Well, obviously, I know it very well but i haven't really heard it like 600 times mm -hmm. um so so yeah i'm i'm not tired of it if i put on the black album i don't skip sandman i, I start with sandman awesome uh, yeah i really like that song um so yeah that was that was really awesome and that's uh, my wife's favorite metallica song oh or, dude there you go nothing else matters 
Uh, so we were like singing along to that too. And yeah, it was a very good moment. And, uh, you know, all the pyro and the explosions during, uh, during that is mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. And that fireworks, it was great. Well, dude, what a night, man. Your first Metallica gig, you meet other podcast fans, you get to hang out with your wife, you get to see the snake pit. Yeah. You get to see Ghost, you get to see Bocasa after seeing his radio show and being a fan of that. It's an awesome evening, dude. You got a fist bump by James? Yes. Good grief. Yeah, no, that was really good. Uh, And we got a few picks as well. Yeah, nice. They, uh, man, if you're yeah. if you're standing near, they throw so many fucking picks out, just whole yeah. solo cups full. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't actually catch any, but there were like a bunch of them on the floor, so yeah. you just bent down and, and pick them up. Yeah. Um. So I think I had like six picks or something. That's awesome, uh, dude. Yeah, but so, when we were driving, we were driving home, and we stopped at a gas station to get a burger. Um, and there were like these two kids and their mom there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I was like, I was paying, I was picking my, my wallet up from my pocket and there like a few picks like just fell out on the floor and their mom was like, Oh, you were that close. Nice. Like the kids were in Metallica shirts and stuff. So my wife gave the, the two kids uh, a pick each. Oh, that's sweet. That yeah. They were like super grateful. Your wife sounds like a good that's lady. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, she's good. She's a mama bear. <laughs> well, Carl, I know that your kids are sleeping. I know it's late over there in Norway. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and tell us about the gig. It was so cool to yeah. share that experience with you. And uh, and thanks for all the support on the show, man. One of my favorite things about the Metal Tales is being able to tell you right to your face and to your ear the how grateful we are for the support. It really means a lot to us, man. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, I really appreciate you guys, too. You're kind of... Uh uh really helped me get into and realize that metallica is my favorite band uh and uh, that probably won't pass anytime soon so uh thanks a lot yeah man no problem and thanks again for coming on the show and i hope yeah, our paths no cross again soon and you, once again <clears throat> you're at beard and t-shirt right on yes twitter and on instagram and you post all the time about music and you're a big music lover music fan so yeah. If you guys are on the socials and want a, a new buddy out there, uh, Carl's your dude. Yep. All right, man. Have a good night. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Bye. Hey, it's Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we hope you're enjoying the Metal Tales from the Road series. If you've been keeping up with us, then you already know that we've covered every stop on the 2018-2019 North American Arena Tour, and we look forward to catching up with all of our European friends later this year on the Stadium Tour overseas. And there's more! After the Stadium Tour, we are continuing the Metal Tales series for any Metallica show in the past. Maybe you saw one of the Orion festivals. Maybe you were at the Channel in 1984 and Cliff Burton bought you a beer. Maybe you you were at one of the 30th anniversary shows or you just saw a regular ass show in north dakota somewhere we want to hear from you since ethan and i started metal up your podcast we've wanted to find a way for listeners to call in and share their stories well this is it to make yourself eligible for a future or past metal tales episode please consider joining us on patreon for five dollars a month you not only get to come on the show as a guest you also get both of our Cover Our World Blackened EPs, monthly giveaways like deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, posters, and other goodies. You get early access to our YouTube videos, and we also let you ask our guests like Ray Burton, Michael Wagner, Hailstorm, members of Slipknot, 
your very own questions. For what essentially amounts to two cups of coffee a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. For any of you on the ride with us, we love you, we thank you, peace and adios. Thank you.